1: Um
0: Hey guys, this episode of The Down is brought to you by Pure on WGN. Uh, it is about the Mennonite mob smuggling drugs from Mexico directly up here to Canada. It, they even smuggled it close to where I live in Manitoba, which is uh, wild. Think of Pure as Breaking Bad meets Witness meets Narcos. Get hooked on Pure. Series premiere Wednesday at 10, 9 central, only on WGN America. Available on DirecTV channel Three oh seven, Dish Channel two thirty nine, or check your local cable listings. Also, uh, before we get to this podcast with Ken Carmen, I want to give encourage you guys to subscribe leave a rating leave a review it really is the best way to support the podcast Uh, we really appreciate your love and support so hit subscribe take that time to hit subscribe and if you want to be part of our discord channel uh, take a screenshot of either you subscribing or leaving a review on itunes for us and email chasedownpod at gmail.com and now today's episode Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host Justin Rowan. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers have won the uh, the Zion battle against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, they put up an embarrassing performance, but it helps. That actually, doesn't really help the lottery odds because the bottom three teams have the same lottery odds. That's great. Uh, so uh, obviously, the team isn't too good right now, but uh, we we still got a good podcast for you. Uh, with me today is my co-host Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy?
1: Uh, It's going good. I'd just like everyone to know that before we started rolling and before our esteemed guests joined up, uh, you tried to play devil's advocate for this team. (laughs) And uh, after a 16-point home loss to the Chicago Bulls, and uh, I haven't forgiven you yet. That's
0: okay. I mean, you haven't forgiven me for so many things that I I, I don't think you're ever going to cash that in or hold me accountable. So I appreciate that. Uh, That's fair. As you mentioned, we do have a great guest uh, today uh, from 923, the fan, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. If you know us and not Ken, I really find that hard to believe. I don't think that uh, that diagram is very big, but Ken Garmin is joining us. How's it going today, man?
2: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate having you on. There's no way there's there's got because remember you guys talk a lot of basketball and we always end up talking a lot of brown so there's definitely people who who have heard of you guys and listen to you guys and have never heard of me <laughs> well so i think actually no think that, that's our,
1: go ahead i actually think that's an interesting spot to start the pod because go ahead. uh you know we we were kind of talking about what we wanted to talk about with you and for the majority of our time being Cavs fans um you know we're we're two young-ish guys uh Starting to get washed up, but we're not quite there yet. Uh, majority of our time being Cavs fans, the Cavs have been better than the uh, than the Browns by a pretty significant margin. Uh, especially, obviously, the the uh, entire LeBron stretch, uh, part one and two. How have you kind of sense? How do you kind of sense the uh, hierarchy in the city now that Browns mania is starting to pick up?
2: I, you know, I still don't have a full gauge on it just yet. Like Lima and I, we would discuss it. And I would never really, I would never really, I could never really disagree with them because I wasn't sure. Because um, there were so many people who were of, a, you know, of older age in, in their forties and fifties who, you know, tell you about the good old days when the Browns were really, really good and just how much they dominated the city. And you know, Lima and I would talk about like, man, you know, if you're 30, if you're about 35, 36, somewhere in there, or younger, you really don't have any good memories. I mean, really strong, consistently good memories of Browns football. But there have been some really good Cavs seasons, and and people like a winner. So it was a question of whether or not for a younger generation, the Cavs are actually the dominant team. And I think that, I think that this last, you know, the, the LeBron years. And even a little bit when we were really young, and there were some good basketball teams then, and we all have our favorites from the old days. I, I think that's really helped improve the status of the Cavs. There was a time where the older people would tell you that they were they were just about dead, and that a guy like I don't know if you guys have ever talked to Kenny Rota. Kenny Rota would always talk about when we were kids mm-hmm. uh, that they might leave, like they, they could go, they could go. You don't know how lucky you have them. This that and the other. Uh, back when the guns owned it, even when they had Gundarena. Uh, he would talk, he would talk about how nervous he was for the future of the franchise. Then LeBron came here. Uh, the NBA seems to really like being a uh, a big market or a, a team that's having a team in a market like Cleveland. Uh, they seem to really enjoy that. So I, I still think it's it's got to get worked out over the next few years where football's just shooting fish in a barrel. There's only so many dates. Uh, usually if it's doing well, it's going to be the top billing in any city that it's in. But I still need to see it over the course of so many years before I can actually say, oh, yeah, it's absolutely number one and don't worry about it. It has a head start because of the sport, but there still needs to be more consistency than just one seven, eight, and one season where we're really excited about
1: it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I do get the sense that everyone has, if anything, the Browns kind of resurgence has given everyone kind of just an excuse to ignore the cabs which <laughs> boy do we wish we had that excuse we justin we we i remember a couple of years ago we joked about after a, a series of particularly uninspiring play just starting the episode and pretending we were an orlando magic podcast now yeah I,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah that, we that, should that have was, done that this yeah <laughs> hey, that was definitely a good bit and and it's been an interesting experience because i've talked about this before but especially as someone that is an outsider, at least from the Cleveland sports. Both part. of us
1: are, you know, like I'm from Columbus, which is closer, but neither <laughs> just, of us have a it, finger it's on the a pulse. slightly,
0: slightly closer drive than Winnipeg. But um, just a little bit. I, I just remember through uh, the first time when LeBron left, like that was actually the, the period that really solidified it for me as, as a Cavs fan, because that's when I could really identify. And I, I find there's so many similarities between the Cleveland and Winnipeg sports uh, kind of. Psyche where you have two cities that both cities had lost their their favorite team. Winnipeg's obviously a hockey town. We lost the team, we got it back. Cleveland had the same thing with the Browns, kind of that underdog mentality. And uh, I, I found that kind of the sharing those emotions and, and kind of sharing the, the disappointment. Uh, was actually what kind of solidified it. But then this year is just totally different because then, I mean, I I could watch the games and kind of check out if I needed to. But this time around, there's no escaping. It's basically like clockwork orange where my eyes are just – Now we're paid paid to do it,
1: damn it. (laughs) I I do (laughs) wonder if – because I do feel like that first post-decision Cavs team, especially early on, obviously they were terrible – Um, and a lot of people stopped watching, there was at least a certain energy around this team um, early. And I I just wonder if, like, the way that we all seem to mostly be at peace about LeBron leaving this time has kind of led to an indifference with this Cavs team from the fan base at large, you know? It's like there's no FU or regional pride in saying, hey, this is still our squad, like it was when you get spurned on national television. Do you think that's fair, Ken?
2: I think it's absolutely true. I think it's absolutely true. Because they, they didn't win the first time. Now they've won. I don't know how you guys feel about the Lakers. I've seen the Lakers about six or seven times this year. And I see, I've seen them with and without LeBron. Um, they seem to be treading water to me. I, I mm-hmm. know that, you know, well, they can get this and that and the other. I, I think it's a deeper rooted problem. I really do. I think Kyrie was the first. I think Kyrie was the guy who kind of sounded the alarm of what younger NBA fan, younger NBA players feel. And again, if you guys disagree with any of this, please correct me at any time.
0: Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not shy with that. And I, I yeah. definitely think there's an element of that. But what's mm-hmm. disappointing me with the Lakers is when he went to the Heat, you could kind of rationalize it. It's frustrating, yeah. but look, they built a contender. And then for the Lakers to say, well, we're hanging on to all our young assets here. We're not going to trade it for help now. It feels like wasting LeBron. Like, I don't necessarily have ill will towards LeBron for leaving. It made sense. Things were kind of running its course here. I agree. Uh, but, I, I mean, for them to really hang on to those assets, it would be like if the Cavs decided to hang on to Dion Waiters for too long instead of trading them for essentially an entire supporting cast. It, it's just kind of disappointing to watch from afar. That, that, that's my sense of it.
2: I couldn't agree more. I, I, I really I couldn't agree more. It feels like he's retiring early. Yeah. Um, yeah almost, it's, it's, there's yeah,
1: just yeah, not, like not much talent. Consulting.
2: Yeah, like he's consulting with the Lakers instead of like, are you going to compete? Are you not? Are you just waiting around? What are you going to do here? Like, when, when he went to the Heat, you're exactly right. Hey, he's got Dwayne Wade. He's playing with Dwayne Wade. Bosch is there to round it out. It's a big, big deal. Now it's just, well, he's in L.A. because all his businesses are there. Like, what does that mean?
1: <laughs> well, oh, maybe God. maybe yeah. we'll all feel stupid when Anthony Davis just ends up there. You know, like um, – but as of now, it just – I'm very uncomfortable. And I think I kind of come down the same way as – I don't have any ill will towards LeBron, but I'm just kind of, I feel resentful that the Lakers are kind of taking this this great gift, which is having LeBron on your team, and sort of just like squandering it. Like, Mm -hmm. it kind of bothers me that they don't seem to have any urgency with a guy who is 35 years old. You're asking him to play power forward almost exclusively. You're making him run more than he's ever run. He just got hurt with the most major injury of his career. And it's just like, Oh, yeah, well, we got a couple years to get this figured out. I was like, no, you don't. He might get bad soon. Yes. Yes. Like, we don't like to say that, but Kareem got bad, and he's like the ultimate example of longevity. Like, every one of – father time comes for us all. So, I'm just disappointed that yeah. this is what they put around him.
2: It's not even him being bad. It's him – this is a serious injury. All right, is this the beginning? Is this oh, yeah. the beginning of the injury starting to hit him? Like, Kobe – It happened out of nowhere, and then it just didn't stop. Like he, yeah, he he had a few injuries here and there during the career, but like the serious ones, it happened, and then it just didn't stop happening. The knee, the leg, then the achilles,
1: the whole thing. Well, I remember we thought that was going to happen with his back. Yes, when he his first year back in Cleveland. Yeah, I I
0: thought I thought we got damaged goods. I was like, of
1: course, of course. Like, oh man, so many people were nervous about
2: that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It does
1: feel that way. I don't know. It's the the Lakers like we've spent a decent amount of time talking about them, but like in a lot of ways like this team is still inextricably linked to LeBron and you know, I don't know how long it's going to be before that's not the case, before we kind of stop defining everything by the team's relationship with LeBron. Mm-hmm. Kind of just feels like they have to build a team that that's at least decent, you know? Yeah. The, I, don't think, I don't think people time, link the heat with LeBron, do they? Yeah.
2: Well, you know, I, I Still? think – No, I don't. I don't think so. I think that they're kind of – they do their thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I
1: think that Their that's, thing is bad, but they do their own yeah. thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not that good, but they do their own thing. With this club – because the last time – I remember sitting there, and I, I wanted LeBron to lose so bad to Dallas, and then they lost – Right. And then they won against Oklahoma City. Correct. Correct, yeah. And when they won against Oklahoma City, I immediately, like the next day, because I just didn't want to hear about him. I'm like, all right, what are, you, what are you doing for me? I can't sit here and just hate a guy and hope he loses. What are you doing for me as a fan? where are you guys bringing in? Let's do this. And there was always like that weird connection with LeBron, but I didn't want to believe like he was coming back. Mm-hmm. So it was just, what are you doing to be a better basketball team? And now there's, I don't know if there's any sort of, hard line that I can draw that would make me switch and go, what are the Cavs doing? It's either LeBron retires, which that's not going to happen, you know, really anytime soon. Uh, Dan Gilbert sells the team, which you always hear a whole bunch of rumors, but I don't think he's going to sell the team anytime soon. Right. Um, what else can you guys think of? I don't I know. I think it's about building like,
1: a culture, which they just have no, I, am, I, I don't think it's one player. Yeah. Like, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's about building a culture that exists outside of the, the, the magnitude of LeBron. Like, it's, here's what Cavaliers basketball is. Like At any point, what has Cavaliers basketball been sans LeBron uh, in the four years he was gone while he was in Miami and the one year he's been gone so far? It's just been nonsense. It's just been garbage.
2: Well, like, it's, yeah, it's like the ridiculousness of just every, like the everyday minutia has still been weird.
1: Yeah, there ain't no grit and grind here. There isn't like some cool, like, or even like the Celtics, like, you know, last year or two years ago, where it's like, hey, you know, these guys are gritty and figure out how to win games. Even they're more than the sum of their parts. Like the Cavs have never been more than the sum of their parts. So uh, if they. Just, it, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, I, I was just going to be depressed. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you. Let me ask you.
2: Say they get the number one and they get Zion. Because he's he's this big he's a superstar he'll sell t- well he's a superstar now in college he'll sell tickets and if he develops that he should be something pretty ch- pretty it should be franchise changing it'll it'll still be a little bleak here in the first couple of years sure but it'll it it should be franchise changing does that reset them as a franchise?
0: I think it does, depending on the stability they show after that. Because hitting on a pick is one part of it. But I I think what the Cavs have been mocked for is just kind of not having uh, a consistent process. Like, the the results may have worked out at times, but they've always been criticized on how they kind of went about it. And I I
1: think how... Even when they they won a title.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. So I, I think how they go about building around whoever they get in the draft is going to be really important. Uh, whether or not Dan Gilbert actually keeps a GM beyond his first contract will be interesting. Uh, how often are they firing coaches? Uh, Colin Sexton is probably going to go into game 83 of his career with three head coaches. Uh, I mean, that, that's, that's pretty difficult. honestly. Yeah, hope Hopefully. Um, But, like, to me, I find it interesting, too, because the Cavs obviously made an effort to try to keep some of that culture, to keep some connection of that title team uh, by keeping Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, um, J.R. Smith had said that he was was going to be a leader. That didn't necessarily work out. But part of why I want the Cavs to get the second pick and end up with R.J. Barrett is, like, to me, I can kind of talk myself into – Okay, you got Tristan, you got Love, you got Barrett as your front court, you got Sexton, maybe Jetty, you can work some rotation players into there. And it has a connection to that former team. Um, I, I just wonder like, if that would be something that would resonate with Cavs fans or do they just want to go scorched earth? I, I, I don't really have a good sense of that yet.
2: It, you're not going to like this. They're, they're going to want the name. They're going to want the name. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we, talk, we talk about Barrett all the time. It's like, man, he can hit threes. You know, they can they can do those things. It's, he's more built for the NBA game now, where it's like at the biggest argument about Zion: can he shoot? Yeah, you can't just go. You, 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 unless you are LeBron and you are still not him, you can't really play that type of game. And so, what you're saying is probably, if they get the, if they get the number two pick, then they get a good player like him. People are going to be still disappointed. Oh, for sure. Still, yeah. For sure. We have been watching. There's people who, I'm going to preach to the choir here. I've watched more college basketball this year than I have since I was in high school. They, basically, yeah. I've watched more. I the, the last time I watched this much college basketball in a season, I was a virgin. <laughs> so, I watched this much college Woo, basketball. I wasn't ready for I, that. And there, there are guys who watch this. There's guys who say they watch it. There's guys who watch it. And then there's guys who say they watch it. And right. when they watch it, they only watch Zion Williamson dunk highlights. And so now it's just, oh, my God, this guy, this Zeus of a man. And he's going to – and if they don't get that ping pong ball the right way, and I know, like, the, the rules are different now over the last couple of years now about the draft, they're going to be disappointed. They'll, they're not gonna, I hope they don't boo him or anything like that, for crying out loud. He's just – He's not gonna be Zion Williamson and they're not gonna buy tickets and they're gonna want a name, and in three years, he can end up being a superstar, and then they're gonna do it. It's just it's just gonna pull it back a little bit. And then because the owner's a fan, who knows how he'll react about the kid?
1: Right. I don't but, know. But Ken, my counter to this is you know, we're we're to, we've seen the Cavs hit a surefire star with the first overall pick in Kyrie Irving, and they still couldn't build the right culture to be a winner until LeBron came in functionally bailed them out. You know, like, I know we talk about how they did have all the assets in place to do something, but Kevin Love wasn't going to come there and agree to resign without LeBron coming. Uh, You know, so I I just think it's about good process. And that's kind of why I don't think it matters who they draft uh, while Dan Gilbert is running as messy of a ship as he runs. I mean,
2: that's why, which one of you two, it was one of you two I saw on Twitter the other day, said you would be for an extension for Tristan?
1: Uh, that was me. Uh, both of us are, I both, think. Uh, but I think Zion would complicate that. Yeah. Right. You know, but anyway, that derails it. Justin it, was the it, one who made this. It this might, one.
2: but I'm trying to think about Kyrie's first season. Can he count on Tristan? Can, can a young guy, and I know Zion would complicate that, but could a young guy look at Tristan Thompson or Kevin and, and have some sort of a shoulder to lean on, lean on would they take that role with him? That uh, no one did for Kyrie, and it was basically his father, which that became a That didn't role. work out great. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, if you if you take one of these kids, and you just put them in there, and well, here you are, you're going to run into some problems. And so we ran into some problems with Kyrie. Hell, Kyrie's still having problems trying to be a leader,
1: obviously. <laughs> yeah.
2: So... So you drop this kid in here, and it's just well, we'll end up doing it again. And guys are good hit in the mouth in a, in a locker room, and and you have problems over there. So so when you guys talk about him, yeah, obviously he he's a contributor when he's healthy. He can contribute and play well for you, and, and get rebounds and get second chances, and he can pop it back out. And if you got a guy who can actually hit threes, it can help out. But what he can do, maybe as a veteran, like hey man, he's seen Our it culture all.
1: Culture setter.
2: Yeah, it, it might just because there's things like. Hey man, guys like me, you know the whole the New York club thing and everything like that, and the the, the, <laughs> the, the very famous wife. You know that's that's stuff for that's tough for guys like me to swallow. But that's that's everyday living in the NBA. I think it's 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 warped to say this. A guy like him can actually contribute to the maturation in a hurry for one of these young guys out of Duke or maybe Moran or one of these other players.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I, with, with these, a lot of pro athletes, I, I always wonder like how real the marriage is. Like maybe his mistake was doing it publicly. Like maybe there's an understanding there. You never know. But part of why I, I said earlier that I want the Cavs to potentially get number two and, and get a wing uh, it doesn't even necessarily need to be bare, but it's the idea that with Zion, it would force you to rebuild so much of what you have. And I just don't trust the Cavs that much. Like I, I, I'd i rather have a guy slot alongside known commodities and interest and love. Um, but from the leadership standpoint, I, I think that that's a big part of why I'd like to see Tristan stay here. And I wasn't sure how he was going to react this season, especially a guy that's had such long seasons uh, alongside LeBron, was an energy guy, Uh, whether he'd still be able to get up for these January games where just there's nothing going on for the team. But he really stepped up as a leader and uh, has been a strong presence there. And I think that's something that you can't really take for granted. And uh, it's definitely encouraging because, I mean, I had heard things back from when he was a teenager um, through like the last decade here of just how he had – how involved he was with team Canada, uh, with the young guys, he was the first NBA player to really kind of blaze that trail and, and continue to play with the national team. And, and just the, the way that he's taken guys under his wing and, uh, the fact that that's carried over to the Cavs is encouraging. And I don't know if you necessarily are going to be able to find a lot of guys that are going to be that leader in
1: Cleveland in that way. Well, the thing with, uh, Tristan is <clears throat> like, Ultimately, I think he is one of the few bright spots in a pretty dreary season for the Cavs for both on court uh, growth and off court leadership. And the thing that, you know, people who kind of say, hey, you know, play the tanking game, get what you can for love, get what you can for Tristan. Like the thing, I, the phrase I keep using is, is the juice worth the squeeze because, you know, both these guys aren't like no doubt guys for on the trade market where you're going to get two unprotected firsts yeah. or even a first in the case of Tristan, like, like what's the value in salary dumping him for a couple of seconds for a crack at maybe a guy who might be your ninth man someday. It's like, like he it's not like he and he is so good. And I, I, I feel this way about love as well. I don't feel like either of these guys are so good that they prevent you from being near the top of the lottery every year, no. but they are good enough to provide an infrastructure. Um, look at how Colin Sexton has struggled without an infrastructure, without love, with Thompson in and out of the lineup. With, you know, I think Justin said before the pod, the Cavs are down like six, seven rotation guys, um, and he's really struggled because the Cavs haven't created an environment that uh, is capable of fostering much growth. Should I be worried about him already long term? Uh, maybe I don't know, man. Like he, I think, I think there's a world in which. We can both acknowledge he has not been good. He's not been good for long stretches. Um, but he also hasn't really had the chance to be good. Uh, I think that the stuff he's not – you know, I was saying this. I was uh, doing—I uh, was actually doing a hit on 92-3 uh, uh, with Jake Chapman, uh, I think just a couple days ago. And I was just saying that, you know, all of these things that he's just mediocre at, like his handle is just okay right now. The jumper can't really pull, from, pull off the dribble. Uh, you know, if just one of those things goes from meh to good in the off season, everything gets easier. Uh, the problem is that nothing is really at the level it needs to get to right now, uh, and it's kind of making making him hard, making it hard for him to see, succeed at any area. But once you have something you can really lean on, other than just I'm fast, uh, I, I think maybe things start to look different. And we know he's a guy with a kind of a famously good work ethic, good competitor, but. Uh it's been pretty ugly as of late.
2: Yeah, you know, I I just think he's. It, it's almost like he's trying to find his rhythm. I forget which game it was. It, it might have been the Utah game.
1: That uh, was an ugly game.
2: Which one was it? God, he was. He turned right around. Lima like called me during it. And he goes, <laughs> Do you see know what he did? And I go what? He goes. He goes. Man, they're losing by twenty. He's turning around and he's he, You know, he's talking. You know what? And they're just – I mean, they're making fun of him. He goes, they're yeah. making fun of him out there, and it's making him mad. And now he's just out there just chucking everything. And, and good God, he goes, he's, there's nothing. He's not. I, I go, well, he's getting minutes. He goes, it doesn't matter. He's not learning anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, well, it, that's I mean, definitely – And that's amazing. why you don't fire your coach four day, four yeah. games in the season, Ken, because now your whole coaching staff is asleep at the wheel because they know they're not working towards anything.
2: God, I want to say was that, it was – it might have – was it that? Was it Indiana? I forget which one. He calls me up because he goes, he's cussing at the bench. He's down 20. He hits a shot. He's cussing back at the bench. He goes, they're making fun of him. He goes, these are worthless minutes. He's not, it's it's just making him angry. Like he was upset about it. He is worried.
1: Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I mean, there's cause for concern. I think uh, it is not a lock that this kid turns into a good player right now. And yeah, and, but know, I, 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 think like and I paint a rosy picture, but it's been pretty ugly. Yeah, I think the
0: encouraging thing would be how he takes a disappointing season and these lost minutes and and what he focuses on in the offseason. Because as you mentioned, he does have a good work work ethic. And I think a work ethic is tougher to teach than a lot of the other skills. Like he's displayed an ability to draw contact at times. He's displayed an ability to pass at times. Um, It's not like those are absent skills. Um, But I, I mean, he was a flawed player coming in you don't necessarily get a building block with the eighth pick very often. Uh, there's obviously reasons for concern, but I, I think there there's some reason to believe that he might turn into kind of a, a starter or a rotation player at the very least. Um, but yeah, as you said, a, a lot of the season is just kind of lost minutes for him and, and that's definitely just for everyone,
1: for everyone, man. That's what's so disappointing. And that's what has, that's just been the way it's going to be like you, your coaching staff. I I don't get Ken. Do you get the impression that this coaching staff is super engaged? No, I, sure
2: don't. I don't get the. I don't get the impression anybody's engaged. I think. How could you be? I, I think in a lot of these games, like today, they came around. They came out. They fart around the whole game, and I, the Bulls are doing it too. So you know. I, <laughs> but you know, I, I kept hearing this this thing over the last couple of weeks. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name names. But I'm getting, well, Ken. I mean, it's just. It's, it's refreshing to see this team just try to build. I'm going, build what? What are they yeah. building? you got guys who are upset. Well, you got Jordan Clarkson who's talking about I mean, it, it just feels like they're using – and now I'm getting upset. I'm getting flustered. We're, <laughs> we're using Kevin Love, his absence. We're using these guys a, as, an ex, as as some sort of an excuse. Well, you know, Tristan isn't here and, 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 and Kevin isn't here and i okay so that gives you a, that gives you just every right and just an excuse to go lay down because you don't see it it feels as if what it is now it's already an nba hell mm-hmm. now it changes god it's such a bleak thing to say it changes once you you know you get some draft guys and you can still be bad record wise and still play Fun basketball. And look can, at
1: the Nets the last couple of years. Nets yeah, have been yes, fun to watch.
2: Yes. You can you can okay, I can see these guys in a couple of years. Hey, these guys are really starting to to get the get the look of it. Yeah, they're gonna have terrible nights, they're gonna have stupid nights, they're, they're gonna be pointing fingers at each other here and there. But they can develop and they can do that. Right now, we're just stuck in this holding pattern, watching them thinking, all right, I guess, you know, when's the draft? What's going to happen here? What can I unload for this? What can I do there? And it sucks because we're coming up with all these ideas, and you guys just hit it on the head. There's nothing you can do. I can't trade away Kevin Love for unprotected first-round picks. I can't do the same thing with Tristan Thompson. So what am I supposed to do? Well, I'm supposed to sit here and watch this team get blown out by 20 every night, and it would be fun if they seem to be trying. It's just empty, hollow points that they put in.
1: Well, Ken. Yeah. (laughs) Ken, yeah, this, this is my whole point. Is this, There's no organizational structure or clarity. This is a team that lied to itself all summer about how they were going to be a playoff team. And then yep. when they got smacked in the mouth by reality, they fired their coach six games. Was it four or six games in? Yep. By the way, not yep. very many games. And now, now you're dealing with a lost season with 76 games to yep. go. They have been playing out the string yes. since game seven. How yep. are you supposed to succeed in that environment?
2: And, and my problem was, and I do this, is that I, I feel like I'm part of the problem because I signed off on it. Like when they sign Kevin, I'm going, well, you know, I can't. Like Lima was insane. And I just, I always use him as the reference because I'll never say I know more basketball than Lima.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I just, it, he's the guy I always talk to it about. So I'm sorry for always referencing him.
1: No, um, no problem. I always, I always say I know more about basketball than Justin, so it's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. to, you know, there you go.
2: But, but I, I'm going well. You know, you can't fault a franchise for for still trying to make the playoffs and still trying to entertain the fans. And then they go out and they did what they did at four, what four games into the season or whatever it was six games into the season. And I'm thinking, man, you, you didn't even get there's no adversity. It just started off the season. Yeah. Yep. And, and you are firing guys, and you're just you're just doing everything. You're doing everything that guys accuse you of, that fans get mad at them for saying, because it's the truth.
0: All right, guys, we're going to get back to our interview with Ken Carmen in just a second. Uh, but right now, I want to talk to you about one of our sponsors, and that is pillow. And like the rest of us, you probably made a New Year's resolution this year. If you're planning on eating better, exercising more, being more patient, kinder, or whatever else, it all starts with a good night's rest go to mypillow.com and click on the four-pack special and enter my promo code COZY and you'll get two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. It's amazing what a difference a great pillow makes. If you go to mypillow.com right now and click on their four-pack, shipping is absolutely free. That's right, no shipping. Zippo, zilch, nada. And don't forget about their 60-day money-back guarantee. There's nothing better than the gift of restorative sleep, Go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and use my code COZY to get two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. MyPillow.com or call 1-800-966-1472. And remember, my promo code can be used for any offer on MyPillow.com. Again, that's promo code COZY. And now, Carter, why
1: don't you tell us about our other sponsor, well, Justin, while you're getting uh, while you're getting cozy with your pillow, why don't you uh, binge some television? You've heard plenty of stories about drug cartels. They're all over the news, Justin. But the crime ring you've probably never heard of unless you listen to this podcast every week. It's one of the most dangerous in the world. They are the Mennonite mob. You heard right. Mennonites. 99% of them are kind, God-fearing people. I'd even nudge that up to 99.5. But there's one group that has smuggled millions of dollars from nar- of narcotics from Mexico to Canada, up where you live, probably to you. Who's to say? Wednesday, starting January 23rd at 10 9 Central, WGN America presents the new TV series, Pure, based on the true events of the Mennonite Mob. The show is about Noah Funk, the newly elected Mennonite pastor who is determined to rid his community of the drug cartel. But Mr. Funk finds himself weighing over his head and the good pastor, along with his wife, will do some very bad things, all in the name of protecting their family. Think of Pure as Breaking Bad meets Witness meets Narcos. I've actually never heard of Witness, but I've definitely heard of the other two, and they're very popular. Get Hooked on Pure, Wednesdays starting January 23rd at 10, 9 central, only on WG in America. WGN America is available on Direct TV channel three oh seven, this channel two thirty nine, or just check your local cable listings for the channel in your area.
0: Yeah, and I didn't necessarily buy the the whole playoff thing either. And I think Kevin Love needing foot surgery just kind of reset the calculus because they're like, okay, we we have a bunch of specialists that need to play alongside a, a high usage guy and the only guy capable of playing that high usage is now gone with foot surgery. So at that point, they were just selling everything off. And I don't know if Ty Lu wanted out to, and it was a mutual thing or what the deal was, but it, it was obviously dishonest from the beginning. I thought it was an attempt by Dan Gilbert in the front office to try to have trade leverage uh, with Kyle Corver, George Hill, and the other veterans that people figured that they'd either be moving or buying out. And obviously it's also, it's trying to sell the fans on it too, who were forced to buy season tickets in like January of last year, January and February of last year. And obviously <laughs> there, there's not discounts coming without LeBron uh, leaving. So that's, uh, that's obviously a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people.
2: And, and, it's, and it's such a double-edged thing because it sounds like I'm laying everything in the feet of Dan Gilbert. Well, I have to, he's the owner.
0: I'm, I'm, no, I'm. you on can go for that. it. You can go for it. Well, yeah.
2: This is. Uh, i you, yeah. you, you well, this is going to be something you probably disagree with. Um, I have a theory about Dan Gilbert as the owner. I think the NBA. I know that they and and I, I ran this past. I ran this past Lloyd, and he got all. He he. You know, he was all up in arms over it. And I go, well, think about this. Jason.
0: Well, now I love this. Now go ahead. <laughs>
2: Cause I because I, I said you know the whole first round pick. I knew it was kind of you know BS to begin with, but. I said the NBA, those owners and Adam Silver and everybody, and I don't know about the other owners, but I think the league office, I know that he's that Dan Gilbert can be difficult at times. I understand that he can be obviously knee-jerk in his reactions and can be too much of a fan. And obviously he wears his heart on his sleeve and it's just one great big, you know, you know what in contest with everybody else. However, and there is a however, I I am hard pressed to name an owner who's willing to spend, even at his own peril, who's willing to spend what it takes and go into the luxury tax and do all that stuff. And I know you guys might be rolling your eyes. That's fine. Who's willing to do that in a market like Cleveland. Yeah. I think the NBA likes that. I think the NBA, like Bill Simmons a few weeks ago might've been a couple of months ago now was all up in arms. Cleveland can't get the number one pick again. They don't deserve the number one pick. <laughs> and as an organization, I don't know if they. I don't think they do. As a fan, I'm like, yeah, Cleveland always gets the number one pick and go cram it. Mm-hmm. But as, as an organization, like, no. If I, if we were doing this podcast, and we were talking. If we were talking about the Jazz every single year or every single day, no, Cleveland does not deserve the number one pick. But looking at it from from just a business perspective. You have an owner who's willing to go into the luxury tax who's proven it. He's psychotic about winning. He's psychotic about taking control of his team back, even for the right or the wrong. And if they are able to get a winner, those people will show up again and they will back the owner what it is. for? I think for the NBA and for their business, I think it's almost – it's a perfect situation.
1: No, I think I, the I, NBA I, likes having him. I yes. just don't like having him on, on my own terms. Like The thing with Dan is – you know, when you have owners that are willing to spend, I think we've seen this with the Knicks under Dolan, who has also written some pretty big checks. Yes. Is you can stumble into some stretches of success, um, but you'll kind of find that no matter what you do, that success is never sustainable because of the you know the inconsistency at the very top. True. I, yeah. I just I, don't I think, think that I think that the will in- ever lead a. I don't think anyone will ever talk. While Dan Gilbert is running this team, about what a top-notch organization the Cavs are, mm-hmm. and that's why we—that's why they can't come up with a culture outside of LeBron, and that's why they're as bad as they are this year. Yep,
2: I think the, they those, might be at I I can't fight, can't fight I, those. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: I think they might be at a sweet spot with Dan Gilbert, though. Where the—the the one thing I will really credit him for, and the thing I caution people, like I—I'd I'd like to see him sell the team. I'd like to see more stability, and I think that if you had a owner that wasn't necessarily willing willing to spend as much, but would spend smarter and hire the right people, I think that that might be advantageous. But I I do like, with Gilbert, uh, this is probably a funny way of putting it, but the Cavs are always actively active. Like, they're going in some direction. They're never just existing like an Orlando Magic. If they're screwing up, it's in spectacular fashion, and that obviously helps us from a content standpoint. It always stay interesting. It also helps them get to the bottom, Uh, quicker, which you need in the NBA, you need to be at one of those extremes. And the fact that he's willing to spend money now, even with them being so terrible to take on bad money in order to get additional assets. I don't think there's a lot of owners in the league that would be willing to do that. So I think you're at a sweet spot where he's willing to spend money. But yep. with LeBron not being here, he's probably not as involved in the day-to-day. He's not – he doesn't have the same yeah, – He's a better owner when he's bored by the team. Exactly. Yes. So yes. You, might, you might be able to actually build something here. And I, I think that this teardown – it's not even necessarily a teardown, but I think this one year of just total bleak basketball was necessary from an asset standpoint. As long as they hit on the draft and have the right people in place, hire the right coaches, allow Kobe Altman to do his job – I think that there's a chance at turning the culture around. And maybe I'm just an optimist, but that that's the way that I see things.
2: Well, that's the only thing you have to do is hope. I mean, if I can sit here and hope the Browns can turn around for 20 years, I think I can hope out for the Cavs for a couple of seasons for crying out loud. But I, I just think the NBA looks at it like this is this is long-term stuff with me where – I asked the guys in the room the one day because we were talking about Dan Gilbert and it became a thing where it's like good good Dan, bad Dan, that type of thing. And I'm thinking, would Dan Gilbert – and I, I asked Jason this, this off air. I said, would Dan Gilbert let James Harden go if he owned the Oklahoma City Thunder? I
1: don't would think he, so, no. that
2: no trade. There's not a chance in hell. He would have spent himself not in a destitution. He's just the guy who's got the pockets to do that. He would have spent himself into oblivion into the luxury tax to make that thing go.
1: And yeah, he would have, uh, not, he is not Robert Sarver. There are worse owners out oh, there.
2: Yeah. I mean, but I, I think the league sees that and goes, it's a league of, of great players that, that I think every single fan in every single city like ours, they have their favorite player who plays for the team. And then they have a favorite player who plays for another, they have their favorite team. And they have a player who plays for another team. But this isn't New York or LA or any one of the big five markets. It's Cleveland. It's a good sports town for the most part, and it's it's one of those places where you can thrive. And I think they keep wanting to give him a chance because they know he'll spend the money. The only problem is, is exactly what you guys say. He'll continue. He continuously gets in his own way every other every couple of years, whether it be with the general manager or, or players or something. There's always something that that that's weird that ends up throwing everything into
1: a tailspin. Yeah, I I guess that's just the reality. Hopefully they can stumble onto something and maybe he can learn a few lessons, but it just Mm -hmm. feels like instability is going to be the name of the game. Mm -hmm. To that end, Ken, I am interested. How would you rank uh, the three owners uh, in Cleveland right now? (sighs) (laughs) Do you want to just leave it at the side or do you
0: want to give it a ranking?
2: I think – (laughs) I think Jimmy is starting to turn a corner. Uh, I thought it was a good move of him to sit in the seats and not be up on the dais with Freddie Kitchens during the hiring. I think that was a smart move knowing that if he gets up there and he starts talking, uh, people start to get worried about that. So I think that, and if they win, eventually he will turn a corner. Cause I, I, you know, being in there, I know that he spends like crazy to try to make them better. They just, he gets in his own way. Um, but he's still third. I think.
1: This is where it gets hard. I think yeah, genuinely difficult.
2: It's a very unpopular thing for me to say what I'm about to say. I think Dan Gilbert's second. I think Paul Dolan is first. People call the Dolans cheap. They say they're they're bad owners. If they were bad owners, they wouldn't even have been in the World Series a couple years ago. Uh, they made a run at it. They just didn't have enough. They played well enough to make everybody mad. Um, this isn't Pittsburgh. That doesn't sound like Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not It's not Pittsburgh. I'd rather be here than Pittsburgh. Like Pittsburgh, they had, a, what, two good years? And they, that was basically just the play-in game. And they had Andrew McCutcheon and then it all fell apart and now nobody cares about him ever again and they sit in that beautiful ballpark and no one goes in there. Um you have the Indians where, yeah, we have attendance problems, big attendance problems, and it's it makes you nervous and it makes you start to think, okay, are they are they just are they just little fish in a big pond? And I think that's probably what it is. I think that they <laughs> this is gonna be nuts. They need a guy like Dan Gilbert. Mm-hmm. They they Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert is the, I, I've always said he's the, the George Steinbrenner of the NBA. Uh, he desperately <laughs> wants control. I, I, I think that he would, if, if Dan Gilbert owned the Cleveland Indians, you would hear about the Indians in on Bryce Harper, on Machado, Mike Trout, Francisco Lindor extensions. You'd hear about it all. It'd all be believable. Because mm-hmm. he'll go, he's he's he'll go into his personal. Yeah, the mind.
1: nice thing about baseball is you do have that huge margin for error if yes. you are a reckless spinner. Yes, I
2: think he would be. I think in baseball, he would be maddening at times, but I think he would be so outrageously beloved. Like in in the NBA, like there's times where it's like, all right, Dan's willing to pony up the money, and we're excited about him. But in the, but he, obviously, we just spent the last ten minutes grinding our teeth. Yeah, yeah, I think it's baseball, he'd be beloved because he's in a he's in a smaller market, and be willing to spend like crazy. I mean, you yeah. got like uh like uh, I see the Reds deal it popped up right on my screen right here. You know they got the Sunny Gray deal. They got like eighteen owners with the Reds, so they have to like basically hand around a coffee can. Dan Gilbert <laughs> could just do whatever, and and I think that type of thing when it, when you think about Steinbrenner. Steinbrenner got banned from baseball. He used to threat to move the team. People would hate him during the 80s. And by the time he died, he is the boss and everybody loves him and everybody wishes he was back. And I I see the same thing in Dan Gilbert. If Dan Gilbert switched out the Cavaliers for the Indians, I think it'd be something that'd be brilliant some way somehow. I don't think it will ever happen. but It it would be entertaining. Yeah. If he could be the owner tomorrow... I think Indians fans, there'd be some Indians fans who'd be incensed for whatever reason because, you know, there's they're Sabermetrics fans, and that doesn't mean they're bad baseball fans, obviously. It means they're smarter than me. Um, but I think they'd probably be upset, and there would be something that, okay, well, we'll see how he runs it because he could always run it right into the ground and spend a whole ton of money, but he would be something that's that's good for it. But I do think that for what the Dolans have and whatever wherewithal all they have, over the last ten years, 15 years, they've been able to draft better, develop, bring guys up. They got as close as any team has ever gotten without winning it. And mm-hmm. if they were truly bad owners, they wouldn't even have been in the World Series. So I don't like to listen to the well the Dolans suck and the Dolans are bad <laughs> owners. No, they're not. Um
1: but if I was like at least right a now, professional organization, yeah. if nothing else. Yeah. Which yeah. is yeah. nice.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, they they and then and for all the changes that we have to talk about, the Browns and Cavs, we never have to talk about about the Indians. So it, it, there's consistency there. And you know, I'm just like, well, I used to, man, I used to, I, mean, I, used to can't, I used to not be able to stand Larry Dolan when I was younger. And I, I just, I think it could be so much worse. And it's not. And so it's all right. Dolan one, Gilbert two, Jimmy three. But I, but it, you know, if they're in the playoffs next year, Hard we charge it yeah
0: (laughs) well i i one part of dan gilbert that i do like too is that he's an easy scapegoat and sometimes that's nice to have it's nice to have kind of that villain that he's going to help the team he's going to pay but he he's also there if you need someone to blame and um (laughs) as much as i don't want to admit that that's definitely part of the calculus too but uh ken we really do appreciate your time and you coming on uh this this was a lot of fun It, it was a good good insight really really enjoyed you coming on here man
2: Oh, man, thank you guys very much for having me. Because I like talking to you guys about this, and I like reading your tweets and stuff like that, just because I know, I I do know that you guys know a hell of a lot more about basketball than I do. So it's it's always running about you guys and stuff like that. And I'm not just saying that to kiss your ass. I do absolutely mean that. So thank we you appreciate very it, much yeah. for having me on. I appreciate it
0: i appreciate that a lot man and uh a lot of it's just us kind of talking confidently and making it seem like we know what, what, like we're talking about but uh <laughs> we'll still take your endorsement so i really appreciate that um <laughs> you guys make sure you check out ken on 92.3 the fan uh cbs sports radio at night i got that correct Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. perfect all right oh, and-
2: oh saturday's middays now we just switched Oh, there you go. Midday. So I don't have to do the graveyard thing anymore. Thank God.
1: Oh, that's that's going to feel nice. Working late is tough. (laughs) Especially with the early morning. It
2: was rough on those Sundays.
0: And uh, if you guys want to uh, support the podcast as well, remember, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe. It's the best way to support the show. We really do appreciate all the love and support. And the fact that you guys are still listening uh, with the team being as bad as it is. So uh, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Ken. And until next time, go cats.